Well, good morning again. What a special morning we've had. So good to, to see you guys and so excited that you're a part of what we do here at Bethany uh, West Seattle. We, uh, we walk alongside families and we love them and, and we commit to being part of their lives. Uh, again, as Sarah said, not just on Sunday mornings, but, but in their entire lives. Uh, and so it's an honor for us to be a part of that and, and, to, and to have you uh, witness that as well. And so, uh, you know, I will say this before I get started. I vowed to myself uh, that when I preach, I will never, ever uh, get political. Uh, and I won't. And I won't ever get political. Uh, but I wore this tie this morning to represent who I'll be voting for this week at the Apple Cup. And so, for those of you that know WSU, Crimson, and Gray. Okay, well, with that said, uh, we will continue. Today we talk about this whole idea uh, of hospitality. What does it look like to be hospitable? What does it mean to be hospitable? Uh, and I know that, especially in the 21st century, uh, this word hospitality has been a bit hijacked, especially in the way that uh, the scripture uses the word hospitality. Uh, and so the, the text that Sarah read uh, was an example, not just an example, but it's an embodiment of what Jesus meant, uh, of what hospitality should look like. And so uh, let's pray as we get started, uh, and I'm, ex- I- I'm personally, I'm really excited for this because this is something I'm really, really passionate about. So God, thank you so much that you have defined hospitality. God, that's in this world, that word has been hijacked, uh, and it's time for us to recover it, and we thank you that this is the time we get to hear about uh, what that means. In your name we pray, Amen. If you're like me, I, we are entering into a season uh, where there are so many different parties uh, and get-togethers and, and dinners, uh, and chances are uh, you've either been invited to them uh, or you have invited others uh, to your place, whether it's Thanksgiving dinner, maybe it's Christmas, uh, for whatever it is, we are entering into the season of, of parties and get-togethers and invitations, And just a couple days ago, my family decided that I was actually going to host uh, Thanksgiving. I've never hosted Thanksgiving before, uh, and so I had to quickly Google how to cook a turkey uh, because uh, what I'm really good at is sticking things in the microwave, uh, and I don't think that uh, you can bake a turkey that way. And so as I was thinking about what it looks like and what it means to host Thanksgiving, uh, a few thoughts came to my mind, is that I wanted to be a good host. Uh, I want to show good hospitality uh, to all my guests, though they were family. And so I started making a checklist of the things I need to buy, all the food that I need to get, the furnishings that I need to, to welcome you know, all my family and my cousins and my aunts and my you know, parents. Uh, and at the end of the day, when I was looking at that list, I was saying, okay, this is what it means to be hospitable. This is what it looks like to show hospitality is to, is to just throw a really good party or, or to have a really good you know, food list or a dinner list and invite people over. And if you're being honest, and if I'm being honest, when we think about this idea of hospitality, that's exactly what we're, where we go to. We go to, uh, oh, we have to have a good dinner party or a good party. That's what makes you a really good, uh, hospitable 
person. But here's the deal. Uh, When we look at the word hospitality in Scripture, uh, and we see examples of how that's lived out, especially uh, what Jesus was saying here in Matthew uh, 25, uh, he says, hey, when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I'm glad you found that. (laughs) And when I needed a place... Uh, to lay down, you gave me shelter. Now, this is Jesus' radical way of redefining, or actually in this time, defining of what hospitality means. We've narrowed down in our culture that hospitality simply means creating a good meal uh, or a good uh, party for your guests. And bada bing, bada boom, if they're out and they were happy, then you showed good hospitality. But the Bible, when we look at it over and over again, whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament, uh, hospitality is defined in such a different manner that we completely forget what hospitality really means. And this morning, we need to recover the meaning of hospitality, not just the meaning of hospitality, but the biblical understanding of hospitality and the radical concept of what it means and what it should mean today. And it's really simple. I can give you the definition of of biblical hospitality in one line. Yet it's so simple, yet so difficult to practice. And I would say the definition of hospitality, at least the way that the Bible describes it, is very different from just throwing a great party. It's much deeper and much more profound than that. And it's simply this, it's offering care for the stranger. That's it. That's what hospitality means all throughout Scripture. It doesn't mean cooking the best meal, although that's part of it. It doesn't mean throwing the best party, although that could be part of it. The heart of hospitality is that we show care, compassion, and love to the stranger. That's what biblical hospitality is all about. That's what hospitality, how it was defined in the first century. It was the pillar were in which morality rested upon. See, we forget about that idea. We forget about uh, those that are in need, especially during this holiday season. Uh, I know that during Christmas and Thanksgiving, it's easy for us to think about, you know, our own families and our own, our own presence and not only what we're going to receive, but what we're going to buy. Uh, we worry about what we're going to cook. I know that I was... I am still very concerned about that. But at the end of the day, if we think that's what hospitality is, we got that all wrong. And so the week of Thanksgiving and the week, couple weeks, few weeks before Christmas, I would say this is a great reminder of what it means to be hospitable people. And that God calls each and every one of us, if you are a follower of Jesus, to be people of hospitality. And we see examples of hospitality, and I would say Matthew 25 is the best example. Jesus says, you want to understand what hospitality is? It says, feed those that are in need, that are hungry. Give water to those that are thirsty. Give shelter to those that are homeless. That's what hospitality means. It's not just about throwing a great dinner party. It's about offering care for the stranger. In Matthew chapter 25, in verse 35, as Sarah read, uh, there's this word stranger. I was a stranger and you welcomed me, is what Jesus says. I was a stranger. Now, now, 
What's really important is uh, this word stranger in the original context, in the original language in Greek, uh, is this word xenia. Xenia means, uh, xenia means stranger all throughout the New Testament. And, and then I want to put a pin drop on this. I want you to remember that. Stranger, the word stranger is the word xenia. But if we look up the word hospitality in its original language, we only see it in a couple places. Uh, we see the word hospitality, the actual word hospitality, uh, in Hebrews and in Romans. Let me read the, the text for you. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13 says this. It says, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show, here's the word, hospitality to strangers. For by doing, <coughs> uh, for by doing so, doing some people, uh, by, do, by showing hospitality, you may be showing hospitality to angels without knowing it. In Romans chapter 12, verse 13, it says, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Now, in both cases, when the, word, the actual word hospitality is used, it's this, uh, it's this Greek word, philoxenia. Philoxenia. So remember, if stranger is the word xenia, and the actual Greek word for hospitality is philoxenia, what happens is the word stranger is used to describe hospitality, but the word philos is attached to it. Philos in the Greek means brotherly love or sisterly love. That's where we get the word Philadelphia, the three types of love. Philos means brotherly or sisterly love. And so hospitality, the actual word hospitality is Philoxenia, which means to love the stranger, Xenia, as your brother or sister. I mean, I hope that this is, this is profound. Because when we talk about the stranger, and we'll talk about in a moment who the stranger is in our lives, uh, it could be people that you don't even know. Uh, it could be what the Bible describes as, as the orphans, the widows, the homeless, the poor. These are the people that Jesus is saying, we must show compassion and care for them. It's to invite them into your lives and to love them like a brother or sister. Zeno, Xenia is the word, stranger, philos, brother, sisterly love, Zeno, uh, philoxenia. Now the opposite of philos is the word Phobos, okay, we're doing a little bit of a Greek lesson. The opposite of phylos, brotherly love, uh, is phobos, where we get the word phobia, right? So uh, the word phobia it has to do with uh, something that we're afraid of or dislike. Phobos is something that we are afraid of or dislike. And, and if you've heard this term before, we've heard the term xenophobia. Xenophobia. It's the absolute opposite of phyloxenia. Xenophobia is for us uh, to be afraid of the stranger. So xenia, phobos. It's the fear of the stranger or it's a dislike of the stranger as opposed to loving the stranger like a brother or sister. It's the actual antithesis of what Scripture has in mind of when it comes to hospitality because what the Bible says is that we should love the stranger like a brother or sister, and this is a concept of hospitality that we must revive. Henry Nouwen, one of my favorite authors, says, if there's any other concept worth restoring to its original depth 
or evocative potential. It is the concept of hospitality. Hospitality. Offering care for the stranger. To love the stranger, the other, the foreigner, like a brother or sister, as opposed to the opposite, xenophobia, to be fearful or to dislike. And so as we talk about this whole idea, we have to ask the question, well, then who is the stranger among us? Who is this stranger? Like when Jesus says, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. And, Jesus, and, the, and the disciple says, Jesus, when did we see you naked and when did we clothe you? Jesus, when, you were, when were you hungry and when did we feed you? When were you thirsty and we gave you something to drink? I, I don't get it. When were you a stranger to us? And Jesus says that anyone that you provide shelter, home, anyone that you give compassion to and care for, you've done that for me. Even in the Old Testament, Leviticus chapter 19, it says, when a foreigner or a stranger resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The stranger residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself for you. Why? Because you are foreigners in Egypt. In case you forgot, he says, I am the Lord your God. Deuteronomy chapter 10 says, he defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and the love of the stranger residing among you, giving them food and clothing. The scripture defines the uh, stranger all over uh, as, as orphans, as widows, as the homeless, as the poor. These are the most marginalized people in society during this time, and even probably today. These are the people that were most, most outcasted. These are the people that people didn't want to be around that smelled funny, that looked different, that spoke a different language, that didn't believe the same thing. And Jesus defines them and says, those are the strangers among you. And the word stranger isn't a pejorative term. It's this whole idea of identifying people that are different than us, than yourself, than me. So who are the strangers? It's the very people that Jesus actually hung out with. Jesus hung out with society's biggest outcasts, whether they be tax collectors, prostitutes, uh, sinners, Pharisees, whatever it is, and Jesus would be judged by ha- for hanging out with them. Jesus, why are you hanging out with these people? And simply, Jesus would respond, because I love them. These are my people. The scripture defines the stranger as society's most outcasted, most vulnerable, most marginalized. And so what does hospitality mean? Hospitality means providing care for these strangers, for these people that are so different, but not really so different than ourselves. And to love them like a brother, like a sister. Who's a stranger for you? You know, a lot of this has implications even in our own lives. The stranger could be refugees, could be immigrants, the poor, the homeless, the racially different. People that, again, think different than you, have different political affiliations than you. In a world that is so divided by politics, And again, I don't want to talk about politics, but 
the reality is our world is very divided. Our society is very divided based on who you voted for. And the division, it gets ugly, and, and I think we're going to see this when it comes to family time and family dinners and, and get-togethers, where I've literally I've seen families break apart and be divided because of their political or opposing political affiliations. And, and my question today, and, and I really believe that the Bible is asking this, is those are actually your stranger. You may know who they are, but because they think differently and live differently and may have different affiliations from you, you can consider them a stranger. And so if they are a stranger, though they think different than than you, maybe even look different than you, how can you love them? How can you provide care and compassion for them? How could you treat them as you would treat yourself or how you would want to be treated? Who is the stranger among you? In Luke chapter 19, when it says this, it says, When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus. So Zacchaeus was a tax collector who would basically steal from his fellow Jews uh, in order for him to profit. And the Romans would give him permission to do that. So, So when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. Uh, Zacchaeus ran to the tree to see Jesus. I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus, he came down at once and welcomed him, Jesus, gladly. Then all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be a guest of a sinner. These are the very people that Jesus wanted to spend time with. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, I know that The world and the society sees you as a sinner, as an evil tax collector, but I must remain in you. Remain, this Greek word, menos. I must remain in you. I must be with you. I must be your friend. I must do life with you. And and the people here are saying, Jesus, why are you hanging out with this, this tax collector? And you can see that although uh, we can look at the Pharisees and, and say, man, what a terrible attitude. The reality is we have that very same attitude oftentimes in our own lives. I'll be honest with you, I do too. If someone, you know, is so different from from myself or even has a different even uh, political affiliation or or theological perspective or, or whatever it is, yeah, I tend to step back and say, you know what, I don't want to spend time with you. Or I'm right or you're wrong. Or this is how, uh, this is the way it should be, and your way is just incorrect. Yeah, we can look at Zacchaeus, uh, or we can look at the Pharisees and say, oh man, what a terrible attitude that person had. What a terrible thing that Jesus did, hanging out with a tax collector. But if we're being honest with ourselves, we oftentimes, we live like that too. And so I really want to encourage us during this holiday season when we're so wrapped up in our own gifts and giving gifts and food and family and our own families and our own friends, who is the stranger in your life that you need to love? And not just love, but to actually provide care for. It's easy for us to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to love my brothers and sisters uh, I'm going to pray for them even, which I think is 
is good. Yes, please continue to do all that. But the reality of hospitality is this. It's not just word, but actually includes deed as well. The idea of hospitality is not just saying that I'm going to care for you and I'm going to use eloquent words uh, to encourage you, although, yes, that is all part of it. It's asking the question of ourselves, how can I care for you? What do you need? Have we asked that? Do we ask that? Do we make it a habit to ask that? And there could be people in need right before your very eyes, whether it's at work, whether it's at your school or clubs or this church or your neighborhood. Who are the people that are in need that you should be convicted, that I should be convicted to show hospitality to? I love what St. Jerome, an early church father, what he says. He says, high social status was not to be honored with special recognition by Christians. In fact, to entertain persons who had few needs was not really hospitable at all. To entertain persons who had few needs was not hospitable at all. What St. Jerome is saying is oftentimes we spend so much time providing you know, the special people in our lives, which is good, that really don't need much is what St. Jerome is saying. The real indication of hospitality is when we provide for people that are desperately in need. The marginalized, the oppressed, the people that, if we're being honest, that we wouldn't go out looking for to spend time with, to invite to your house and to your car and to your special places. Who is the stranger in your life? So the second question is, yes, we've identified the stranger, the people that we need to be hospitable towards. Then what do we do? I love what one author says, is that to show hospitality, it's not just loving the stranger, but it's inviting them to your sacred space. It's inviting them to your sacred space. Here's what she says. She says, when we offer hospitality to strangers, we welcome them into a place to which we are somehow connected a space that has meaning and value to us. This is often our home, but it also includes our church, our community, our nation, and various other institutions. I mean, this is when it gets hard. This is when the rubber meets the road. Yes, we've identified who the strangers are in our lives, the refugees, the immigrants, the homeless, the poor, the people with opposite uh, political affiliation, opposite religious affiliation, or no religious affiliation at all. Maybe someone that thinks differently than you when it comes to sexuality or, or how a house or, or a church should be ran. Maybe that is the stranger for you. Have you loved them? Check, okay. And then the hard part is, have you invited them to share your life with you? Have you invited them into your home, your special places? Maybe it's the church. Maybe it's a club. Maybe it's a social club. Maybe it's a small group or whatever institution it is. Have you done that? That is hospitality, welcoming the stranger into your sacred space. I'll never forget this 
time when my dad and I, this was probably about four or five years ago, we were at a small little mini-mart uh, in downtown Seattle, and we saw a homeless person. And I'll be honest with you, I walked right past him, and he was just kind of walking around, and he seemed, at least, inebriated. I had a very peculiar smell. Uh, and you can tell that the people around the store were kind of avoiding him. Uh, and then he was kind of stumbling, and this is no exaggeration, his pants started falling down, like it was to his thighs, right above his knees. And then my dad walks up to him, like thinking, like, Dad, what are you doing? Dad, my dad goes up to him and says, sir, do you need help? Are you okay? Uh, and, you know, he's very Korean, so he had kind of an accent, are you okay? And there was a little bit of a misunderstanding there, and he's like, yeah, you know, I'm Okay. Um, but I'm not feeling very well, and his pants started falling down, and my dad would literally, he grabbed his pants and started lifting it up for this homeless man. And, and I remember, now I think about that, and I'm like, it almost brings tears to my eyes thinking about how generous and hospitable my dad was. And at the time, I was like, Dad, what are you doing? All right, cool, great, you did a good job, let's, let's get out of here. And I think back on my own behavior, and that's so shameful. And then not only did my dad do that, my dad says, hey, do you need a ride somewhere? My dad started walking the homeless man uh, to his car out the door and opened the door for the man who obviously was intoxicated, was smelled very, well, to be honest, smelled really bad. And my dad says, get into the car. I'll take you wherever you need. And I think more than anything, more than just a greeting, more than the help with the pants going up, it was the fact that my dad invited this man into his car that was so special to him. We ended up taking him to a shelter, and it was actually an incredible moment and a wonderful memory that I shared with my dad. But I look at that experience, and I think back, and when was the last time that person was invited into somebody's sacred space? When was the last time somebody invited that person into somebody's car? And I remember just a couple weeks ago when I was at Whole Foods, uh, I was coming out and I saw a person, you know, he had a sign that said, I need food or whatever it is. And I said, hey, sir, I don't have any cash on me, but if you want to go into Whole Foods with me, I'll buy you lunch. He said, all right. So we started walking in. And as we started walking in, he started veering off to the side. He's like, I'll just wait right here. Why do you want to wait right there? You are a customer. I'm, we are together. Let's go. You're coming with me. We get into the buffet line, you know, he picks his food, and we get into the line. And I just can tell he just felt so uneasy because he probably felt so uninvited, so uncared for, so outcasted. And when was the last time someone said, hey, you're with me, let's go? And I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. But the reality was, was man, the idea of hospitality it's not just throwing a good party or a good dinner party. It's looking for who the stranger is in our lives and in not only loving them and saying that we love them with our words, but actually our deeds as well by inviting them to our sacred places and, and, and giving them and providing for them what they need. And, and so the way that the word hospitality has been hijacked was that we forgot about the first part, and we just think about the second part, this provision part. And so if, I give, if my family comes over and I provide for them a good meal, then that's being hospitable. Yes, that is true. 
But a bigger part of hospitality is we're giving to them because there's a need that they have that we are providing. And it's not because we are so special. It's not because we want to be saviors. It's not because we're the heroes of the day. Because we're called to do that because of the very ways that God has provided for us. All over the Old Testament, it says you need to provide for the widows. You need to provide for the, for the orphans. You need to provide for the immigrants, for the foreigners, for the refugees. Why? Not because you're so special, but because you were provided for yourself. All throughout, because you were foreigners once. You were in enslavement once. You were in Egypt, and I rescued you. See, we live in a culture where it's difficult to admit that we are, we are or we were ever people in need. But the reality is it's true. Every one of us here, we are in need of a Savior. Every one of us here has been forgiven, has been pursued. I love that song where uh, it says that when God pursues us, he kicks down doors. And when we, when we were singing that, I just imagined Jesus just like kicking down doors because there's nothing that stops Jesus from pursuing us. And he's been pursuing us and he's rescued us. Maybe not from a physical bondage or slavery, but he's rescued us from a place of pain, from a place of maybe it's depression or anxiety or loneliness or sadness or anger or, 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 or sinful or whatever it is. We've been rescued by a Savior one way or another. And, and out of that, God calls us to do the same, to be agents and catalysts for that to others. The same author says this, deeds speak the language of great virtues far better than words do. Listen to this. Words limp outside the gates of compassion for strangers. Let me read that again. Words limp outside the gates of compassion for strangers. When's the last time you invited the stranger into your sacred space? Again, maybe it's your home, but maybe it's your church. Maybe it's another community place. Maybe it's your small group. When was the last time you did that? I have to ask myself that. When was the last time I did that? And provided for them the things that they need. When's the last time we were curious and we asked questions to the stranger instead of accusations and name-calling? I mean, I have seen so much division and seen grown adults act like elementary kids or even worse, name-calling. And I want you to know this. Hospitality is not offering handouts. That's not what hospitality is. Hospitality is offering friendship. And through the vehicle of friendship, we ask, what do you need? What, what do I have that I can provide for you? And last week, we talked about what it means to be generous people, to be content with what we have, so content that we're able to freely give away. What do you need? It's a powerful question. It's a powerful question. Hospitality is not offering handouts. It's offering friendship. 
And so as I invite the band, I want us to think about this idea and respond to it. Who is a stranger in your life? It's a powerful question. It's an important question. Because hospitality is rooted all over Scripture. And Jesus calls us to be hospitable people. And I know for some of us, we're going to walk out here and we're just going to forget about this entire message because we're so busy with our chaotic lives, concerned about what I need to buy, what I need to cook, the presents that I'm going to get for this Christmas. When the reality is, yes, that is important. The message here isn't saying neglect the important people in your life. That is, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we already do a very good job of that. And we're called to care and love the stranger among us. To invite them also into our sacred places. To your home, to your car, to your church. Like the author says, to our nation. May we not forget about that. Yes, this is a good time uh, to be thinking about it, but may we always be thinking about it. Yes, this is a good time because, you know, it's Christmas and Thanksgiving. Let's not be so caught up in our own world, but to be obedient to what Scripture calls us to be. Jesus says, when you provide, when you give, when you're generous with the needs to the stranger, it's not just you're providing for the stranger. You're actually doing that, God says, on my behalf, for me. And may we consider it worship when we take care of the stranger among us. That is worship. That is honoring God. That is loving God as it says in Matthew chapter 25. Maybe the stranger amongst you is your coworker. Maybe it's a schoolmate. Maybe it's actually your next door neighbor that you don't know. Again, maybe it's someone you have absolutely nothing in common with. Welcome them. Invite them to your space. Be curious. Maybe it's a person on the street that you often neglect as you walk right past the poor, the homeless. Let's ask the question, who is the stranger and how do I love them? Let me pray. God, thank you so much for who you are and how you've rescued us from the pits of our own lives. And you redeemed us through your life, death, and resurrection on the cross. Help that to be a constant reminder of how we should love, how we should provide and care for the strangers in our lives so that they may no longer be strangers but friends, neighbors. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.